All right. Now we'll get to, the Lord is going to have to bless this, and he will bless this because this, yeah. I woke up this morning, and I, at last night I was putting it together, and I just, you know, I was like, God, I know this is, is what you've asked me to speak on, but th- is this not the time? It, you know, the timing with God is everything. And sometimes he, and I was like, I got up this morning, I'm like, what, what am I going to do? Because I'm like, this, I have nothing in my spirit that feels right about this. I'm like, this is a great message, but there's something in my spirit. I'm like, God, what do I do? So I'm going through like all my old messages. I'm like, I'm going back. I'm like, what do I speak? What do I speak? And I keep two different um, notebooks. And one is messages that I speak. And the one is message ideas. So I'm like, dear Jesus. You know, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like come on, God, you got to give me something. And I would just, because I'm like, I don't feel at peace about this. So I'm like, okay, what, what's going on here? And so I'm going through my notes and I had made a, because I had been talking about the little things and I had, um, had just made this one little last uh, little things part four and I just put a question mark next to it because I had only had like three or four little phrases of something in there and I was just like, okay, what is this? And I was just like, okay, God, what, what are we going through? What are, what are, what are you doing in this? And I'm just like, I need something because I got nothing and nobody wants to hear something I, per- I preached a year ago. So I was thinking about this. I'm like, God, what do you want me to speak? And I'm just like, I'm just like, nobody wants to hear a message I spoke six months ago again. And no, you know, they're going to be like, uh, does he remember he talk- talked about that already? Um, so I was just going through it. And the, the few lines that I put in here were just like our thoughts. And I, I had never really... Um, I thought, you know, I've got, I did three weeks on this. I don't really have anything else to do. And God's like, well, apparently you're going to do four weeks on this. So it's been a little mixed, but Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13 says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have it, have received it, and it will be yours. Um, and I'm sorry, that's Mark eleven twenty four. Matthew 6 through 9. I want you guys to... Um, read that this week, but I'm going to, I'm going to skip forward. It says, I, I, and I think like this morning was like, was key for us. I think there, there's like, we have our moments in church. You guys ever, you realize that every so often you just have that, those moments in church, like we have a, a big Sunday where things are happening and it's like, you go home and you're just like, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. And you're just like, wow. It's like, that was a great Sunday. And I think we need to take those times, um, to rejoice in those. Like I talked about, a co- I think it was last week or the week before, um, or last time I spoke was going to God, not only for the things that we need, but going to God for the things that he has given us. Be, go to, you know, we always go to God and we always, we have our prayer request. But there's a, if you look, what do we have? We have a, a praise report and a prayer request because both of those are just as important. And I was thinking about that and I'm like, okay, God, why, why do we just go to you most of the time when we need something instead of going to you when we need something? And then when something happens, then we go back to you and say, look what you did for me. Or going to someone and saying, look what he did for me. God restored this. God healed this. God made a way for this. You know, we, we get so wrapped up in, in the, the prayer only, but we don't spend time in his presence to enjoy him. You know, think about this. If you haven't, like, if you don't go out on a date with your wife for like, or if you, you're busy and you don't go on a date with your wife ever, like, we don't go on dates. 
we go on grocery runs. That's our date. That's like for us, but that's, that's our moment of, of, you know, um, I was uh, watching this show one time and, and the kids go up to, up to the dad and they're like, what do you want for Father's Day? He goes, I just want to be left alone. And, and but the, as parents, sometimes we just, we go away from our children to pick up milk just to be away from our children to spend that time because what happens is, is this, is we're enjoying the pr- uh, time with each other. Yeah. It takes a couple minutes to get our arguments out, but then we enjoy the time. <laughs> you guys, come on. Yeah, you, you know what I'm talking about. You, don't you, text and yeah, don't text and drive. Yeah, don't text and drive. Um, but you take that time away to enjoy each other's presence. Am I right? Yeah. You, you take that time away. And I think we need to take that time away with God to enjoy his presence. We go to him quickly and in, in cases of emergency or a need, but we don't go to him in times of sitting in front of him. I, I look at what Mary did in the, in the Bible. What did she do? She sat at his feet and she's like, she just listened to him. And I think so many times we, don't, we go to his feet with a request instead of, of just sitting at his feet to hear what he has to say. And so what happens is, is this, is we, we start to, we start to just go to God with the things that we, that we need instead of going to God to, to listen to what he has to say. As parents, what do we do? By what we say can influence our children, am I right? What we, what we usually do in our life will influence our kids. You know, do what I say, not what I do kind of thing. You know, it, we, we've been there, you know. Yeah, I, oh, I can't really tell you the story, but I'm going to paraphrase it and make it. So Sarah was really, really sick with both of our kids. And so when, when Lana was still in the womb, Sarah was really, really sick. And Sarah was trying to get ready to go somewhere. And Layla, being as f- the focused child that she is, <laughs> yes, she, the focused child she was, and you got to understand, she's three years old, two and a half, two, yeah, something like that, to cutest button, little curls everywhere, and she's just la la la, and you know, she's bouncing around, um, probably was wearing her uh, princess nightgown that she wore for like three years straight, never took it off unless we peeled it off of her and washed it, but my wife was, was really sick, and she's laying on the couch, or trying to get ready, I can't remember exactly what it was, and she says, Layla, get your shoes on, Layla, get your shoes on, and she's like, she finally just gets, says, Layla, get your dang shoes on. Yeah, but other words. And Layla goes, I'm getting my dang shoes on. But think about it. You know, like in a moment of weakness, you're just like, oh, and you, and you, you vent or you say something you shouldn't. But what does it do? It affected the way our child responded by one thing. And I, I wasn't there, but I would have loved to see that. I would have been like, don't you say that, and, and laughing at the same time. I mean, I don't condone this. Please don't let your child say that in public. Um, but our, what we do as a parent, what we say as a parent can influence our children. And it makes them think about who they are. We can say something to our child to make them think they are something that they're not. I love it when parents go to their kid, you can be anything you want. It's not true. I'm sorry, it's not. (laughs) If Johnny's getting straight D's, he's probably not going to be a rocket scientist, and he's probably not going to be a brain surgeon. I really don't want him operated on me. 
If Johnny's getting straight D's, do not let him have a scalpel near my face. So what I'm saying is, is this, is, but God speaks something to us. When parents are like, well, you could just be anything you want and be like, that kid is not going to be doing that. What happens is, is parents will say something to their child and, and create a, something in their thought process that I can do this or I can be this. And that's great. We need to encourage our kids. But don't tell your kid that they're going to be the next pioneer in a foreign country if they don't like to get into the car and travel. But what I'm saying is this, is so many times we listen to what we've, uh, our parents, for better or worse, said things in our lives that either made us better or screwed us up. Or both. A little bit of both, you know. But what happens is, is we are so highly influenced as young people by what people say about us. Am I right? And what happens is it starts to create uh, a, a structure in our, in our spirit, in our, in our thoughts. It creates a, a foundation. So from a young age, if you're told this or you're, set, you know, you're called stupid or whatever, it's going to create this mindset in you. Your thought pattern is going to go, constantly go back to you. When you have an opportunity, oh, I could do this, and then that, you, you instantly go back and you're reminded of this is what was said about you. Am I right? Yeah, how many of you guys remember when you guys were in junior high, high school, or grade school, and you still remember something that was said about you by a teacher or someone else in authority or something like that? Guys, you guys better remember that. But that, that's what I'm saying is we, we, can, we can create landmarks in our, in our life by the people who have said things to us. A little less sugar for the front row. But think about this. They, things that are said to us will create landmarks in our life. They will create something that will always remind us of who we are or who they think we are. Proverbs 23, 7 says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So that's, that, that right there says, if we think that we are something, we become that. So what we think needs to be um, judged and compared to what scripture says. You know, not everybody's going to be a, uh, a brain surgeon, but God says that they're still fearfully and wonderfully made. But God calls people to certain things. But I think so many times what happens is, is we tend to listen to the noise around us instead of the whisper that has to be tuned into. You know what I mean? It, you get so much noise around you from the people around you, you work, where you work, your family, um, your friends, whatever, or the people that you associate with. And what happens is, is this, is the whisper that God is, is trying to whisper to you gets drowned out by the, the, the static and the noise and the chatter. And what happens is, is then our thoughts, because we can't hear what he's whispering, our thoughts become static and they become that noise and they become that chatter around us because we start to pick that up. Um, and I think we, we spend so much time trying to, God speak to me, God speak to me, and he's, he's always speaking to you. 
But most of the time, God is whispering. He's not, he's not yelling from the mountain down to you saying, this is what you need to do. I think a, a relationship with God is a, is a daily conversation with him, and it's a, a daily whisper. Um, because how many of you guys ever talk to God without talking to God? It's not, it's not a verbal thing sometimes. You, you know what I mean? You're not, you're not in the car. I mean, some of you might be. I don't know. I'm not really that way. But I'm having a conversation with God in my head, but I'm not having a conversation with my mouth. But we're still having a conversation, and we're talking back and forth. I think so many times we, we, try to, we try to hear that, what he's saying, but we can't cut out the, the chatter around us. And so what happens is, is we're, we're trying to have that conversation with him, but we can't hear. You know, and the, the, that conversation with him is not something that we, anybody else around us can hear. There's times where I'm at work or I'm doing something and I'm like, I just need a moment with him and I'm just talking to him and I'm, I'm having that me and God kind of moment that I need something to happen and I'm going to him. You know, I, I think when we start to hear what he has to say in those, those small conversations, in those, those brief moments of him being, or of, excuse me, of us being quiet with him, I think being quiet with him, because I, I remember when I was a little kid and, um, you know, when I was in grade school, we always had quiet time. So you would have lunch, you would have recess, and then about an hour later, it would be quiet time. So it was everybody, put your head down for 10 minutes or 15 minutes, and you're all like, you know, making weird noises and, and tapping and trying to signal other people. But you're not, we had that quiet time where they wanted us just to be quiet, rest, and not say anything. And God is just trying to, in those whispers, he's trying to solidify what we're thinking. He's trying to put thoughts into our head. And this sounds weird, but it's how God works. You guys ever just been dealing with a situation? And even if you haven't been talking to God about it, just a thought comes into your head and you're like, that's how I deal with the situation. That's how I, I, I deal with the trial I'm going through. Or this is how I deal with um, a financial issue that I'm having. And it's just like, oh, wow, that just came in my head. And that's, that's how God works. He doesn't work through a constant verbal conversation with us. He works through the, the thought life that we have. But what happens is, is we get so, as Christians, sometimes we can get so distracted and so drawn out and strung in every which way. You, you know what I mean? You ever been that way? You get, you're running your kids here. You got work. You got church. You got all this stuff, and you're just like, you're so spread thin that you don't, you don't know what to do, and you're just like exhausted. You come home, you're exhausted. End of the week, you're just like, they can keep a couple of them for a while, you know, <laughs> or you're just so exhausted from being spread thin that you don't know what to do, and what happens is, is by that, what happens is drawing us into that, that, that mindset that we have to be doing something at all times to make people happy, and to, to keep people, um, we got to keep our kids happy. We got to keep our work happy. We got to keep everything going so that we don't have to make it look like we don't have it all together. You know what I mean? You ever been in that situation where everybody's like, I was talking to Ray this morning. He's like, I used to play, tried to play chess just to be, to be um, try to look like I was highfalutin or something like that. He was saying, and he's like, I just kind of gave up on it. 
And I was, but think about this. You know, there's this, there's this stigma that we have in our culture that if you do this, you're this. If you do this, you're this. If you wear this, you're this. And it was just, it made me think about, we get so wrapped up in the little things around us as Christians that we forget to focus on what the, what the, the point is. What is the point? The point is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And Paul says in Romans 2, it says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This is one of the few times you hear me reading out of the King James. I just love that. I've, I've loved the, that version of that verse since I was a little kid because that's what I grew up on was that verse. What Paul is saying is, is quit trying to squeeze yourself into a mold that the world has. Quit thinking about, well, I have to do this because I got to look good. I've, I got to quit. I got to quit doing this because this is not what these kind of people do. Or I've got to start to drive this, or I've got to start wearing this, and I've got to have this because this is what society finds acceptable. Paul says, screw society. Who cares what they think about you? Paul is saying, don't bring yourself under the law of what people think. Don't bring yourself under the, try to, quit trying to take your, your, who you are as a Christian and try to, to fit into the form of the world and say, okay, well, I can be a Christian and still be in this, this group of people and I can still be in this type of activity. He's saying, you don't fit and you won't fit. Because what's going to happen is, is this, is when you try to do that, you're going to cause yourself more pain and more suffering and more anguish and more heartache than even the people that are doing that because you know better and you shouldn't try to do that. Well, Paul is saying, don't bring yourself under the law, but use the word of God to put on, the, to fit into where God has placed you. Let me, let's say this. You ever heard that phrase, they broke the mold? Yes. So here's the great thing is every one of us is unique. There is no mold. The mold is with God as our father. We have to look to him for shaping, for molding. He will direct us, guide us, and shape us into the image that he wants us to be. But what happens is the world has a one mold and the mold is this. This is how you fit in. This is how you look cool. This is how you do what you're supposed to do. This is how you look like you're keeping up with all the Joneses. Well, you don't know that the Joneses hate each other. Their kids are brats and, they want, and they're $400,000 in debt because they have to have all the new, newest, coolest stuff. Think about it. Society tells us you have to wear this brand if you're going to be cool. I had a guy one time, um, I don't remember where it was. I have a backpack, certain brand. I got it at Meyer, super cheap. It was like 20 bucks, regular 90, blah, 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 all that good stuff. I saved money. Um, <laughs> and the guy's like, oh, you got one of those, man? That's a he goes, oh, you got a great backpack. I'm like, I, I just bought it because it was a nice backpack and I knew it lasted. I didn't buy it because it was a certain brand. I just bought it because I knew it lasted. But what happens is, is society says, well, if you're going to wear this brand, then you fit into this group. And if you wear this, you fit into this group. I think sometimes we try to, we, we think, if I do this, then I'm going to be accepted by both sides. 
I, God's going to love me. I'm going to fit into uh, church and I'm going to be able to say the right things. And then I can go out into the world and I can say this, do this, wear this, drive this, whatever. And I'm going to fit in with them. But Paul says, when you're born again, you're a new creation. You have to either choose one or the other. So as a new creation, it's pretty easy to look at the old life and say, you know what, I'm just going to get back into this just a little bit. But Paul says, you're a new creation. Born again, not like I just put a new coat of paint on you. He says, you're a new creation. Quit doing the things, quit thinking the way that you thought when you were this man. But start acting and thinking like you were this man. He says, have the mind of Christ. Having the mind of Christ is really hard because none of us can do it all the time. Am I right? right. It, It can't be done all the time. Doesn't mean that we don't try. But we have, to, we have to look at it and say, okay, every morning you get up and say, what am I going to put on? Am I going to go back into the old of trying to fit into that stupid mold that everybody thinks is perfect? You know, 2.4 kids. I don't know what the point four is. Cat, dog, hamster, gerbil. I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, 2.4 kids, you have a certain brand, you drive a certain car, and it's never dirty. So fun story, yesterday we're driving into Fremont. Sarah's like, my car is so dirty, I need to get it clean. I said, it's going to be 50 degrees tomorrow, and the driveway is going to be a sloppy mess. I said, there's no point in washing your car. And she looked at me and she said, I want to wash my car. And I said, <laughs> but think about it. You, you can say, okay, I'm going to put on the old man, which is, is sloppy, dirty, my life was a mess, or I can literally get up and I can say, okay, God, what do you want for me today? How do you want me to believe? How do you want me to think? How do you want me to act? How do you want me to live my life when I go into public, when I go into work, when I go into the bank, the school, whatever? How do you want me to do this? So we have two choices, dirty and messy or clean. So Philippians 4, 8 through 9, let me read you from the Message Bible. It says, summing this all up, friends, this is Paul writing a letter to the church in Philippi. He says, I say to you all, do be- you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on the things that are noble, reputable, excuse me, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Put into, every- put into practice what you have learned from me, what you've heard and saw and realized. Do that, and God, who makes everything work together, will work you into the most excellent plan. What we allow in our head is what we will dwell on. That's why it says, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That means when a thought comes in, we have to look at it and say, okay, what is this doing? Why am I thinking this? We have, to, we have to start to question the things that we, we think. I think so many times in our life, we don't. We just think it and we're like, oh, and then we act it out. And we're like, oh, I probably should have thought about that. Yes, when you have a thought, you have to think, why do I feel this way? You have to start to do an emotional processing of, okay, I'm angry right now, but why am I thinking this? God, why am I, why am I feeling this way? We do this with our kids. Why, you know, when you, when you talk to your kids, 
they're angry. Well, why do you feel this way? But as adults, we don't do it for some reason. You know what I mean? Like we just, we don't, we don't process our emotions anymore. We're like, I'm an adult. I can just give up on that. I mean, really, it is. I mean, our society, it's just like, oh, we're adults now. We don't have to process our emotions. We can just spout off and, and be keyboard ninjas behind the, on, the, on the internet, and then we don't process what we're, what we're dealing with. What we allow into our heads is what we're going to dwell on. So we have to have like this, this gate at the beginning of our mind that says, okay, what is, what, that thought comes and knocks on the door and says, you're going to feel this way and you're going to say this. And you have to say, wait a minute. It says I should take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So that means that thought comes in. Old castles, there was, there was uh, if you look at like 14th century castles, they would have a, a, a drawbridge. They would have a gate and then they would have a, a gate that was raised, or excuse me, a gate that was raised, and they would have doors. So what would happen is, is this, is in times of battle, the drawbridge would go up, and what was around it, there was a moat, and it was filled with sharks with lasers on their heads, alligators, <laughs> different things like that. No, I'm just kidding. Not, there was no sharks with lasers on their heads. Um, <laughs> but they would put a moat in, and the water usually in those moats was sludgy and toxic. So what would happen is, is this, they would want people who were injured to fall in there because they would get infected. So it was, it was toxic and was nasty and they, they would pollute it to get infection into people's bodies. And, but then if you got past the drawbridge, there was the gate, metal gate, large gate that would come down. But there was holes through it so you could see. But inside, usually there was a big giant door that would shut past the gate. So there was three layers of of protection or um, warning for them so they could say, okay, we don't want anybody in. We're, we're doing this. But what happens is I think in so, in so many times in our lives, we leave the gate open, the door, or excuse me, the, the gate's up, the door's open, and the drawbridge is down, and then we wonder why we have the thoughts that we have. So what happens is this. You can leave the drawbridge down, but that gate has to be in place because nothing's going to get through the gate unless you raise the gate. So we have to start to think what we're, why is that thought, why am I having that thought? Start to, to think about what you're thinking about and say, okay, why am I having this thought? Why am I feeling this way? And why am I acting on the thoughts I'm having? Those thoughts, if we don't bring them into to, to a, a, the authority and captivity of Christ Jesus in the way that we're supposed to think, is this, we have to hold them off and say, okay, why am I thinking this way? What am I doing? And this doesn't line up with what his word says. His word says this about it. So, you know, I'm going to take this, I'm going to walk it to the edge, and I'm going to push it this way. And it's going to go into the moat. And then there's thoughts that come into our head. It's like, wait a minute, this is not how I'm feeling this way. I'm thinking this. But then we take that thought and we hold on to it. And we say, you know what, you're going to I'm, I'm struggling with this. I'm emotional about this. The thought, this thought is in my head, but you know what? You're going to stay here until you start to transform into what the thought should actually be. Because there are some thoughts that are valid. They may be wrong, but they're valid. And we're like, you know what? I feel this way. But we have to say, say God, what do, you, what do you say about that? What are, you, what are you saying about this thought in my head? And we have to say, okay, I want to do this from this thought. So our action our thoughts can produce an action. We say, okay, you know, this is going to stay here until it starts to change 
my action, so my thought starts to come into the authority of Christ. It becomes captive until it lines up with what God says. But what happens is, is we, we allow the drawbridge to be down, the door open, and the gate wide open, and we allow it to come in. And then we wonder why the kingdom, our kingdom, is, is a mess. Ephesians 4.22 says, Throw off the old sinful nature and your former way of life which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes, put on the new nature created to be like Christ, excuse me, like God, truly righteous and holy. Stop selling, stop telling lies, selling lies, don't sell lies either. <laughs> so stop telling lies. <laughs> let us all tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all part of the same body. And don't, let, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work, and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Don't let everything you say be... Let everything you say... <laughs> I can't read, sorry. It's okay. Hooked on phonics later. Um, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your word will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteed that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ Jesus, has forgiven you. That was a mouthful. I'm going to be working with my speaking spell when I get home later today. <laughs> but he says, get rid of all these things. Because what happens is, is this, is when we start to have those in our life, the thoughts start to come. But here's the thing. Those, already, those things already came from thoughts that we have entertained. Anger, bitterness, wrath. Those have all come from thoughts that we've entertained. They've all been seeds that we have allowed to be sown into the garden of our hearts. Because we thought on those, we dwelled on those, and we allowed those over the bridge, under the gate, and through the door, into our heart, and they planted a seed in the middle of our kingdom. We have a choice on what we put on every morning. The old man in the life we used to live or the new man that is renewed daily. It says that his mercies are new every morning. So why do we go and put on the old man every day if his mercies are new every morning? I think sometimes we forget that. Because we wake up the next day and we're like, oh, I'm sorry, God, for what I did yesterday. And he's like, I don't remember them. It's great about our sin with God. He has a really short-term memory. You know, we, we look at what our thought life will do to, you guys ever thought something and just spurted it out and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just said that. Yeah, yeah. I was in a meeting one time and said that. I was like, oh, sorry about that. It was, it was the truth, but it wasn't very kind. Um, Matthew fifteen eleven says, it is not what goes in your mouth that defiles you. What defiles you are the words that come out of your mouth. And Jesus was being trying to be, tra- was trying to, talk to the Pharisees. They were trying to trap him and say, well, your, your disciples didn't wash their hands when they ate food and, and they ate this kind of food or whatever. And Jesus is like, okay, let's, let's not, I'm not going to deal with this. 
Jesus was really good at shutting down really, uh, really good arguments from people. Jesus is saying the things that we have in our head and the things that we say from those things will defile us. You guys ever had your mouth washed out with soap as a little kid? Nice. You know what? If you haven't done that as a parent, just do it once. There, no, I'm, just, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't. Don't. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I do not condone that. Palm olive, though, does work pretty good. Um, we, I had my mouth washed off with soap, but it wasn't like, you know, like Dove soap or Zest. It was pumice soap. It was that gray bar of gritty, nasty. And it wasn't like, here, stick it in your mouth. It was like, okay, bite down on it, and then they pulled it out. So it's like catching your teeth on the way out, and it's up in your, yeah. One time, never did it again. I was like, can I just have Irish Spring, please? It's going to smell better, but it doesn't taste better. It smelled like mint, didn't taste like mint for some reason. Um, but that pumice soap, it was that gray, nasty bar. And, but that's what Jesus is saying. The things that come out of our mouth will defile us. You're, you got your mouth washed out with soap because you said something that you shouldn't have said. Am I right? You said some stupid thing that you, sh- you knew you shouldn't have said. You know, that thought came in your head and you're like, I'm just going to say it anyway. And then parents got that loving bar of soap out to gently show you that your words should be clean. And after that, you still tasted the soap for a day. But Paul is, or Jesus is saying, what comes out of our mouth will defile us, but what comes out of our mouth is usually a a product of our thought life. It's the product of what we're thinking before we do it. Our actions don't just, oh, I just... It just accidentally did this. Most of our actions come from a thought. Second Corinthians ten five through six says the world is unprincipled. It's dog eat dog. The world does not fight fair, but we don't live or fight our battles that way. Never have have we or never will we. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation, but they are for demolishing an entirely massively corrupt culture of the enemy. We use our our words are powerful. But our words don't come out of nowhere. They come from our thought life. We use our God-given tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of a life shaped by Christ. So that means our thought life has to be into the mold of Jesus Christ. The, the world's mold adapts. It's whatever is cool for that time. Whatever that 10-year decade really th- thinks is cool, that's what we're supposed to fit into. But what it is is this, is the mold that Jesus Christ is, we fit into. We're con- it says, don't be conformed to this world. It says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may walk into the mold that Jesus Christ is. We chase after Jesus. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building of lives of obedience and maturity. I heard this said, um, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, and I'm going to close with this in, in one scripture. It says, our thoughts produce our words, our words produce our actions, 
Actions produce habits. Habits produce our character. Character produces our destiny. I'm going to say that one more time. Your thoughts will produce your words. Your words will produce your actions. Your actions will produce your habits. Your habits will produce your character. And your character will produce your destiny. One thought can produce your destiny. I was reading and li- uh, reading this um, article and listening to a guy talk about it, and it was uh, about different religions and and the the um, Prophet Muhammad had a revelation of what he thought, or he had this revelation and he thought it was from the enemy. But his wife came up and said, no, you're just like Moses. That was just God telling you that you needed to do this. His thought came into his head. He's like, this doesn't sound right. But he allowed someone else to influence his own thought. And from that created a whole mess of things. And that's the thing is our thought will produce our destiny. One thought can change the course of our life if we act upon it. Thoughts will produce words. Words will produce actions. We've got so many people that want to, they want to love God, but they're not, they can't get their thought life and their words and their actions in line. Well, I love Jesus, and that's great. I'm glad you love Jesus, but when we love Jesus and we say, I'm going to surrender my life to him, that means something in our life has to change. We can't go on and live, well, I just don't do it as much as I used to, and I don't say it as much as I used to. But living for Jesus means that we have to conform to his image, not conform to the the things of the world. Well, I don't swear as much as I used to. That's great. Keep trying. I don't do this as much as I used to. I don't we have to conform to one kingdom or the other kingdom. It's our choice, but it starts with our thoughts. The great thing is, is this, is God has mercy on us. If he didn't have mercy on us, we'd all be in trouble. I'm just saying. But Lamentations three twenty-two through 24 says this, the faithful love of God never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. And I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. Where we have been and where you have been does not determine your future. You can let it determine your future. The things that you have thought don't have to be your thoughts tomorrow. Don't let your thought control your destiny. Don't let let one rogue thought come in and and destroy relationships. Don't let one rogue thought come in and destroy everything you have, everything you've worked for. Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So you're like, well, you know, that doesn't line up with what God is telling me to do. That doesn't line up with what his scripture is. It doesn't line up with 
what Jesus said. It's easy. All you have to do is say, you know what that thought comes, in, it comes into play? Look at the scripture and say, okay, where does, it, where does it say that in scripture? If it doesn't say that in scripture, it's like, oh, okay, that probably isn't correct. But his faithfulness is great and his mercies are new every day. He has an inheritance for you, waiting for you, and that we can access, but our, our thought life has to come in, into alignment with it. If you're lacking something, start to say, how can I change my thoughts on this? Because you're, if you change your thoughts on this, it will start to change your actions, and your actions will start to change your words and how you speak about it. Tell you a quick story, and then I'm going to close. Sorry, I'm going a little over. So, in my job, I have to look for broken things. I look for broken things all day long. That's all I do. What's not working? How do I fix it? What's not working? How do I fix it? What's broken? What's wrong? I have to fix it. That's tough sometimes because I come home and I look for what's broken and how do I fix it? I'm not talking about my family. I'm talking about what, what is wrong? How do I fix it? So sometimes it's not a negative mindset it's not a negative thought but I'm constantly looking for things that I can make better and so sometimes it's hard to transition out of what is broken how do I fix it into what is good and how do I rejoice in it because everything that I have at work is every call I get is this is not working I'm called help desk actually it's IT specialist Um, (laughs) but I handle most of the help desk calls and all day long this isn't working. I broke it again. Why, did, why is this not working? So in a mindset that, think about it. What, in your job, what do you do that can keep you from having a different mindset at home or having a different mindset in our walk with God? I know for some of you, you guys probably have tough jobs that you go to every day and it's like, Jesus, I just need you. Because there's things in our life that are going to try to distract us and give us those thoughts that say, "Mm, you can think this way. But take every thought captive and say, you know what, I'm going to think on good things, pleasant things, things that your word says. Because when you don't, it starts to distract us. And when it starts to distract us, rogue thoughts come in. We leave the bridge down. We leave the door open and the gate up whatever is good whatever is acceptable whatever is lining up with God think on those things anything else throw it to the side throw it away don't entertain those thoughts let's pray